So as uh, we do marriage prep a lot here in the parish, a lot of marriages, and uh, so couples come, and one of the things that they do is a marriage inventory or questionnaire that they fill out to, uh, that uh, they go over with uh, like a mentor couple, but also the priest. And what it does, that inventory, it surfaces differences between themselves uh, and what uh, the, you know, the focus wants them to say. You know? It's not incorrect, it just means it's an area where the couple can benefit from having conversation as they get ready for marriage. And one of the sections in this inventory is on conflict resolution. And so it, uh, it tries to ensure that the couple's uh, working on uh, improving their communication between the two, because you know, is, is in a marriage that's so critical, right? And one of the, some of the questions are, they, they go like this, my future spouse uh, doesn't forgive easily, or uh, my, my future spouse reminds me of mistakes that I've made from the past, or, you know, or, or there, here's where, uh, uh, my future spouse, spouse and I, uh, we never argue. And sometimes they say, yeah, we never argue. So I'm like, oh boy, that's, that's, that's something we need to talk about, right? And so, uh, but I, this idea of uh, conflict resolution, how do, you, how do you resolve it? Because it's so critical. If you, don't, if you can't work out disagreements, because you're going to have them, uh, it's, it's going to make for some rough going. And not only that, uh, as I tell these couples, how you resolve conflict is how you're going to teach your kids to resolve conflict, right? And we all need to uh, kind of live a life where we know that our, our opinion matters and it's worth having conversation about. And sometimes when there's disagreement, it's worth fighting over something, as long as it's, it's done in a, in, in a merciful and compassionate way. And, and I guess the reason why I bring that up is because, you know, the, the, the whole uh, basis for our Western civilization is built on marriage. And when we get too egotistical or self-centered or self-absorbed, uh, these conflicts don't get resolved. They just become greater, greater uh, uh, areas where uh, there's division and separation. Huh? And, and as, we, as we hear these readings this morning, uh, we are being drawn back to the beginning and how God decided to uh, kind of covenant with us. He did it through marriage. The, the, the first parents that uh, uh, are the basis of of all of us is is a couple that were married and that was the that was the sign of God's faithfulness that he was going to walk with them he was going to stay with them he was going to be a good father to them and and the, and the sign of that was the marriage now in that beautiful relationship that those two had with God they shared in God's work but there was one thing that they couldn't do weren't allowed to do and that was to decide right from wrong. That was the tree of knowledge and good and evil that they weren't allowed to eat from. Only God gets to decide what's right and wrong. That's what we call objective uh, truth. And we live in a world where there isn't objective truth. People say, well, I get to decide what's right for me. Well, what happens? Conflict. There's as many uh, moral systems out there as there are people with this moral relativism. And all we end up doing is arguing and fighting. And you see the evidence of that in our politics and just how we get along with each other. And, and so God says, no, you can't do that. Well, that's exactly what they did. Uh, you know, Adam was afraid of the devil, so he let the devil in. And the devil went right for the marriage and he split the wife off from the husband and saying, you know, look at this fruit. And she says, it's beautiful. It's good, pleasing to the eye, good to the taste, and good for wisdom. Uh, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life, money, sex, power. That's the basis of all our sins, too. That's how it started. A mistrust that God's a good father. He's going to take care of us. We just have to bend our will 
to his life and everything will be fine. At the basis of all our sins is this self-absorbed, self-centered egotism. I gotta be right, I decide, it's me, no one's the boss of me. That's what undermined the first marriage, that's what brought sin, that's what hurts us, brothers and sisters. So what do we do with this? Well, what did God do? He said, you know what, this is a mess. I'm not sure I like this. And so the flood came. He, you know, because the first creation, uh, God sp- the, the Father spoke the word over the water and the Spirit carried it over the water. Creation comes about, there's the garden, there's the sanctuary, there's us. So what does he do? He sends the water back. He says, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start over. I'm gonna do, we're gonna get a do-over. This is the ultimate mulligan, right? God's gonna do, he, uh, uh, he's gonna give us another chance. So he sends the water back and there's the ark. Ark was three levels, why? Because creation at the beginning was three levels. Uh, time, space, habitat, here's the ark. The first creation had animals and you know, it was, had people and the second, ar- uh, the second creation had the ark. Three levels, animals, people, eight people, the family. Marriage is growing into a family. He's got this, this, this is gonna be great, it's gonna work. And you know, the, you know the, 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 the ark finds the mountain, just like the first creation was on the mountain, the second one's on the mountain, and the family, and all of a sudden, there's division, there's separation, there's conflict, and sin multiplies again, and God says, you know what, you guys are a mess, but I'm not gonna do what I did the first time, I'm not gonna send the waters back the way I did, I'm not gonna destroy it. There's got to be a different way. And so every time uh, we messed up, God says, you know what, I'm, I'm a good father. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay with you. you just got to learn how to bend your will and submit, submit to my life. And, and we always say yes, but then we never do it. Money, sex, power, threefold concupiscence. It, it rears its ugly head. And God says, okay, I'm not going to destroy you like I did the first time. I'll find another way. And what does he do? A covenant. Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moses, David, the Christ. And all those covenants were were marriage-centric. They all had a marriage component. And all the violations of those covenants was a violation in the marriage of those with whom God contracted. Noah and his family, Abraham and Sarah, they messed up. Uh, You know, obviously, uh, we know that Moses and the the Israelites at Sinai messed up, and David, he messed up with Bathsheba. So there's got to be a bridegroom. There's got to be a marriage out there that's, that's worthy of, of, of the, the, that by which God wants to save us. So he sends us this guy, Jesus, the ultimate bridegroom who's going to marry us. This is the marriage that's going to last. This is the marriage that is based on humility, service, dying to self. Jesus didn't uh, deem equality with God something to grasp that. Rather, he emptied himself and took the form of a slave. That's what Paul tells us in Philippians. This is the bridegroom who knows how to die. Adam was afraid of it. Jesus embraces it because that's, that's the crux of the problem. And so what we get today, and he goes into the desert, he is sent into the desert, he's forced into the desert, into the wilderness for 40 days because Israel was in the, in the wilderness for 40 years. He goes into the desert, uh, which is the anti-Eden, because the, you know, the first uh, uh, you know, result of sin was them being forced out. So Jesus is going to the place in the wilderness where we were forced out, and he takes us with him. And what does he go through? What did Adam go through? Money, sex, power, threefold concupiscence. What does Jesus do? Stones into bread, lust of the, uh, lust of the flesh, 
uh, throw yourself off the temple and the angels are going to catch you and people are going to think you're amazing, the pride of life. And look at all the kingdoms of the world, they're all yours, just bow, bow down and worship me. That's, uh, that's uh, lust of the eyes, greed. So Jesus takes the areas where Adam failed and all the covenant families failed and he does them over. It's, it's, it here, here's God giving us a do-over. This is God writing twice. This is God saying, I don't care what you guys do. You could, you, no matter how much you mess up, how you screw up, I'm always going to love you. I'm always going to forgive you. I'm always going to pursue you. I'm never going to give up on you. Because I gave you the bridegroom who loves you and he's never, ever, ever going to stop, no matter what. This is ultimate conflict resolution right here. This is the answer to all our conflicts. We've got to learn how to do this. Bend our will, surrender our will to get over our self-absorbed, egocentric uh, pridefulness. It doesn't work in marriage. It doesn't work in the world. It doesn't work in life. We've got to learn how to die. We've got to learn how to empty ourselves. We're in, we're, not, we're in Lent. And we are called to look at the places of our life where all we think about is ourselves. Nobody's the boss of me. I get to decide right and wrong. I... You know, threefold concupiscence, wherever it is in my life, money, sex, power, wherever I've got, those is idols. That's my problem. And that's in the way of me communicating effectively the love of Jesus Christ to my wife, my husband, my kids, my family, my friends, the people that I meet. I got to get over it. And I can't on my own. So he comes. And God said, I'm never going to destroy, I'm never going to send the waters over to destroy them. And he keeps his word. He's a good father. We can trust him. But he does send the water. Jesus opens up his pierced side. Now comes blood and water as a fountain of mercy for us. He doesn't send the waters as a flood to destroy us. He sends the waters, the flood of his mercy over the world in baptism. And we go through that water and, and, and we receive his life. And the only thing that's going to undermine us, like it's done all those who've gone before us, is we decide we can't trust it. I'm going to decide right wrong. I've got my idols. Nobody's going to take them away. I'm never going to give in. I'm never going to apologize. I'm always going to have the last word. Brothers and sisters, it's in us, and you know it. It's Lent. We're going to the desert to get that stripped off of us and to open our hearts to receive that water which is going to wash over us and make us clean and make us into a new creation. That's what, that's what we're doing, brothers and sisters. Here's the thing, as long as we're with him, as long as we follow him and, and we allow ourselves to be a, a source of humility and grace, we win. Adam lost, Jesus wins. We're with Jesus. As long as we stay close to this, we win. You're a winner, amen? Amen. All right. Uh, before we uh, do our creed, um, you remember those baskets from a long time ago, back in the 50s? Uh, <laughs> uh, because this is how, this is how we win. We're, we're not going to let COVID beat us. So we've got these baskets. They're COVID-proof. Uh, you don't have to touch them. Nobody touches them. They're cleaned, and you know, the usher's going to come by. He's going to put it, hopefully, within a certain socially acceptable distance. And, and you can throw your gift in there. Sometimes some of us do it online, some of us 
do it in baskets, that's all good. But now you can do it in the, the basket that's going to be brought to you. We're coming to you. Talk about service. And, uh, and so, uh, just so you're not shocked when somebody puts that basket uh, as they come down the pew. And uh, yeah, we're just trying to get back to normal. Praise God. Uh, why don't we stand now and profess our faith? I believe in one God, Father Almighty.